Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to episode number 147 of Starting the Conversation. I'm your host, Alice Benham, and in today's episode, I'm so honored to be sharing a conversation that I had with the brilliant Rachel from Rachel Lee and Beyond Inc. about how she runs her business alongside her chronic health condition. Now, this is something I've wanted to talk about on this podcast for quite a while, both so that people like myself who don't have a lived experience of this can better understand the experiences of those that do. And for those that do have chronic health as part of their life and their business, perhaps you can leave this episode feeling encouraged, inspired, and hopefully with some helpful takeaways that Rachel's gained from her experience over the last 10 years. Now, speaking of the last 10 years, we didn't intend for this to happen, but this episode is actually coming out on the very day Day of the 10-year diagnosis anniversary for Rachel and we we're getting a little bit emotional when we realized that because it just feels very full circle to be sharing this conversation with you so without faffing for any longer let's get into it I really hope you find this conversation as inspiring and honest and interesting as I did I'm so excited to let you know that this episode has been created in partnership with Penfold, the pension provider for those who are self-employed, aka us business owners. As you know, the financial side of running a business is something I've been on a journey with. A few years ago, I was burying my head in the sand and I had no systems in place. And now I've got organized finances and peace of mind that my money is working hard for me. A big part of what helped me get from A to B was starting a Penfold pension. I remember it clearly. I was sat on my sofa when a friend tweeted me a link to Penfold asking if I'd considered getting a pension. And the honest answer was no. I was 21 at the time. Surely I didn't need to be thinking about a pension. And then I realized as someone who is so intentional about taking action for my future self in every other area of business, why wasn't I doing it with my finances? Penfold appealed to me for two main reasons. First of all, it's so simple. The sign-up process took a couple of minutes and was so much easier than I'd expected. Plus, they've got a calculator which tells you how much you should be putting in each month. And secondly, the contributions are flexible. As we know, income can fluctuate when you run a business and Penfold gets that. You can put in as much or as little as you want, pausing or topping up when needed. Plus, if you've got previous pensions, Penfold's friendly team of experts can help you find it and get them all in one place. Starting my pension is one of the best financial decisions I've made. And every time I see it being topped up, I feel a little bit more smug about my future self enjoying a G&T on me. To start your Penfold pension today and kick off the financial year strong, head to getpenfold.com forward slash refer forward slash Alice Benham, or just click the link in the show notes and you'll get 25 pounds put into your pension pot when you make your first deposit to help you get started. With pensions, as with all investments, your capital is at risk and the value can go both up and down. But what are you waiting for? Get your Penfold pension started today and happy saving. So you know me, Rachel, and you know one of the things I love to do is ask people questions around food. So I thought, just as a little intro to the episode, I've just shared on my Instagram stories that I like to eat cherry bakewells without the crust and I decrust them because I eat like a child and apparently I'm 23 going on 12. So I just wanted to know, do you have any controversial food habits or beliefs? Like an example would be, and I'm going to call her out, Grow With Vicks. She, until I think she was like 20, mid 20s, didn't have gravy on a roast dinner. Oh, I don't have she gravy just had. Oh. I'm I'm the worst person to ask this oh question. Oh my! I'm I'm a really fussy eater. Really. Let's fussy. have a fussy eater off. So what? <laughs> okay, talk me through this, Rachel. Okay. So you've got a roast dinner. Yeah. Where's the moisture coming from? I just have this aversion to sauces, <laughs> apart from ketchup. Like I just wow. don't like sauces on things. So yeah. But I'm so like, you're telling me you have a dry roast. Is that your... Yeah, pretty much. That's the answer. But then, I mean, it's not dry if you do the chicken or the turkey, right? Like, it's, they true. should be pretty nice. <laughs> I can Very make true. a mean roast chicken. Like, I love roast chicken. I'd have chicken every day, quite happily. But yeah, I'm just, I'm not a, I'm not a saucy person. <laughs> wow. Yeah. In maybe, who knows what definition that is mentioned, but definitely <laughs> in the food This going sense. a different route already. <laughs> <laughs> Always does with me, Rachel, you know what it is. Okay, well, I think I'm going to have to stop myself from asking you more questions to do with your food habits, because I could talk for hours about, because I feel like I've got some weird food habits. I'm always fascinated when I meet a fellow bit of a fussy eater. 
I think it's a rabbit hole we could go down. So let's let's scoot ourselves out of that tangent. We'll let people share their horror with you on Instagram that you don't have gravy with a roast. I'm telling Vix. <laughs> Vix didn't come out well when we last discussed that one on our podcast. But I mean, for anyone unfamiliar with you, Rachel, I always go to call you Rachelly, and then I'm like, that's fine. Yeah, everyone uh, calls me Rachelly now. Actually, I've had someone come up to me in a bar and ask me if I was Rachelly, so I kind of felt like I'd made it at that point. But it was also a tad from you. It was like a tad creepy at the same time. So yeah, I do you know what really. It's not even a funny story. It's just embarrassing. I was in Manchester for a She Can, She Did event and I was speaking on the panel. So I'd obviously got a little bit too big for my boots and suddenly thought I was someone. And I had to run to Zara beforehand because I'd forgotten my outfit. So I needed to quickly get an outfit. Long story short, I never got an outfit and I ended up crying and it was a whole thing. But I was in Zara and this person was walking up to me smiling. And I was like, oh my gosh, this, they're, they're here for the event. They know me. <laughs> this is the moment. This is when I've made it. Um, and they just thought that I worked there because I was wearing all black. <laughs> and in that moment, all of my hopes and dreams were crushed. And I had a very large reality check. So I'm glad that you had a real spotting rather than yeah. what I had, which was just It, it was a bit creepy hat. though. I mean, I was there for an event later that day, but it was like early on. So I was kind of like just expecting to be able to be my little anonymous little self. And after the fact that someone came up to me and was like, like literally tapped me on the shoulder and were like, are you Rachelly? And I was like, yes. It is she. <laughs> Here she so, is. Yeah. Well, for people that don't know who Rachelly is, can you give people, I know that you're working on this at the moment, so this is a horrible <laughs> question to ask you, but can you just yeah. give people like a sentence or two on what you do? Yeah, of course. So I am a designer and I do all of that under the name Rachelly, which was a very original name. Um, just a nickname that I turned into my business name. And then the things I'm working on with Alice that she sort of hinted at then are the kind of branding and courses stuff that I want to do. So bringing that to life uh, under the name Beyond Ink, which is all about kind of encouraging you to think beyond the surface level, I guess, with everything and look at creating your brand roots and little things like that that I'm hinting at, but I'm not going to say more on because I have been in the weeds, literally, and you'll hear this today probably, so many plant analogies, but... I've, I've been in the weeds, it felt like, trying to figure it all out recently and bring it to life, I guess, in a new way, so. Mm, well, I think that was a very succinct, nice little overview of oh, what you do. You. And I think it's people a good <laughs> bit of context on today's conversation, which I think is a conversation that is well overdue here on this podcast. I mean, the whole purpose of this podcast is to start conversations around the often unspoken sides of being an entrepreneur and being a business owner and something that I've wanted to talk about for a very long time but obviously wanted to make sure I was doing it with the right person and in the right way is running a business when you've got a chronic health condition or when you struggle with chronic illness. Now that's not something that I have personal lived experience with but I find that a lot of my clients, of my students, of even just the people in the business space that I meet seem to have some form of an experience of having a chronic health condition or experiencing chronic illness. And I guess there's there's a bit of a link there. I think yeah. a lot of time people start businesses <laughs> so that they can have a life that is kind Absolutely. of, you know, able to revolve around that, or I guess just be conscious of it. And I think there's a conversation that I'm really interested in here, which is to understand more of that experience. I guess thinking about the two types of people that will be listening to this conversation, some will be people in a similar position to you, obviously that their health condition might look very different, but that's something that they resonate with. And hopefully for them, they can leave this conversation feeling maybe a little bit less alone, maybe picking up some insights or encouragements from what you've shared. And then I think for the other group of people who maybe more resonate with myself, where you work with or just connect with people that experience this, but don't yourselves, you know, I'm interested in how can we all be more conscious and aware of this so that we're all helping each other in the best way and being as kind and considerate as possible, which is something we all want to do more of in the world. But before we get into kind of the bulk of that conversation, for anyone unfamiliar, because I'm a big believer, no, no question is a stupid question. What is a chronic health condition? Is it like, even for me, like what's the language that we're using here? What are we talking about? I mean, it's a difficult one because I can obviously only speak from my experience. And like you said, my lived experience as someone that has 
what I would call a disability, chronic illness, you know, different conditions. It's kind of, you know, it's one of those things that every single person with a chronic illness, whether that's mental or physical, you know, they might describe it differently themselves. So I think if you can just put some common language to it, like you've just been doing really well there, I think that's one of the first steps. But yeah, I think, I mean, for, for me, I would say that like the difference between chronic illness and disability as well is kind of important to note. So there's like chronic conditions, which are basically conditions that are usually expected to last a long time. Like the clinical definition is usually longer than three months or expected to last a lifetime and never go away. And then that can leave you as a chronically ill person. You've got this chronic condition that's sort of never going to go. And then disabled kind of adds an extra layer to that. So it might be that you've got this physical or mental chronic illness, but then it also impacts your daily life. And that's where that disability kind of feeling comes in. Generally, it's like if you've got an illness that actually impacts the way that you go about your daily life. So it, maybe it affects, you know, how you get dressed or how you get ready in the morning or when you're preparing food or going out like you know if that's a difficulty for you and it's something that comes up kind of daily not that I leave my house every day <laughs> the pan I always joke and say like the pandemic didn't really change my life that drastically because I never really went out much beforehand <laughs> but it's just kind of one of those things that like if it really impacts your day-to-day -day life and activities that you would normally do that's when the technical definition sort of adds on that extra layer of like it's a disabling chronic illness or you are mm -hmm. disabled you know and okay. I think the one thing I did want to say as well is that like being disabled or disability isn't like a bad word. Mm. I think, you know, for me personally, it took me years to kind of realise like it had been affecting my, my daily life for years. But it took me years to actually own that term and to sort of call myself like a disabled business owner or a disabled designer. And I think that was like the biggest thing for me is sort of really trying to raise awareness of what that means and that it isn't a dirty word or a bad word and it doesn't mean there's something like wrong with you it's just a part of who you are so yeah mm, no I really appreciate that and it is yeah it, it's so interesting and so valuable to hear and, and understand more about that so I guess if we're speaking in the context of this episode about people who might be chronically ill Am I right in thinking, you know, just from what I've understood of what other people have shared as well, that can be a diagnosed conditional illness or it could be an undiagnosed condition. It could just be, you know, the symptoms or the kind of side effects of that chronic health. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, because there's so many people in the chronically ill or disabled community that don't have the diagnosis that they know they should have. I'm one of those people. Like, I've got a condition that I was told the name for and then... A few years later the criteria for that condition changed and I don't fulfill that criteria now even though I have like other symptoms that go along with it I, I basically for anyone that's in the know that's listening I got diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome which like the hypermobility mm -hmm. type but then got told just on my notes that it was going to be called just hypermobility syndrome but the difference for me in getting treatment for that is huge because people just like doctors in general just sort of go, oh, you've just got hypermobile joints. And I'm like, well, I have issues with anesthesia and all sorts of other little issues as well that kind of go along with it beyond just having hypermobile joints. But me getting that diagnosis isn't going to happen because I don't fulfill all of the criteria they've got there for that at the moment. Mm. So, yeah, I would say it's for anyone that kind of identifies as chronically ill whether or not you've got that diagnosis or not so no I really appreciate that and obviously it important to be said in this episode we're going to be solely focusing on Rachel your specific experience obviously this is a, a conversation that can look wildly different depending on your circumstance and whatever it is that you're experiencing but yeah I'm just really grateful that you're willing to share more of your story and your experience here because I know for so many this will be yeah, such a valuable conversation. So I know you've touched on it a bit there, but can you give us a little bit of background info on kind of your your story, I guess, with chronic health and chronic illnesses so far? How did it how did it all begin? Yeah, so looking back with hindsight, it's it's always great having hindsight. Like there's so many issues from when I was a kid that kind of pointed to this hypermobile like issues. Like one of the things I did on my 16th birthday, I went to LaserQuest at the Trafford Centre up here in Manchester. 
and being the kind of, I mean, you know me, Alice, I like to rebel a little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't like to follow the rules all the time, which is hilarious because in school I was like the biggest goody two shoes you could have met. But since then I've kind of like, I didn't follow the rules in Laser Quest and it said don't run through this particular bit and I ran through it, of course. Um, course. In the heat of the moment, Laser Quest, you know, lasers firing everywhere. And um, and I tripped up, so it was like this big tunnel, and it had like this little ramp that I didn't see. Ran and tripped, and at the time, like I could not put any weight on my leg. I couldn't figure out what was wrong. I had to be wheelchaired out quite embarrassingly at the time through like with all my friends um, onto the bus <laughs> and make my way home. And then the next day, I was fine. And so, like for me now, I know that was a typical kind of probably a dislocation or subluxation, which is like a semi dislocation that sort of is one of the things that comes with my condition. But I didn't get diagnosed until I was 20, almost 21. I'm actually coming up on my 10 year anniversary of being diagnosed, which kind of feels almost celebratory in a way, Mm. (laughs) because it's kind of like a weird thing to celebrate. I know, I was telling my mum that I really want to like do a post to get some balloons. And she just kind of looked at me really strangely and was like, why would you celebrate that? But I think for me, it's kind of like, celebrating what I've been able to do despite all of that, I guess. I'm sure that you of 10 years ago couldn't see that in 10 years' time you'd have done so much despite and alongside that. Yeah, and I mean, when I got diagnosed, it was like there's a lot of sort of almost medical trauma that kind of came with that, and it wasn't like the doctor didn't have the... It was lovely but didn't have the best bedside manner in telling me scary things that were possible in the future. And at the time I was working full time. So I started working full time for different companies. I started at a finance company, hated it, hated the kind of values they had, left after three months and then did a couple of years for like different design agencies. And just after, well, just as I got diagnosed, I was starting a new job, a new role at a different design agency. And that was kind of my first experience really working I guess in the real world, it felt like (laughs) with this illness and not really knowing how to kind of navigate that. Less than 18 months later, I actually left that role because, and that's when I started my business because it was honestly a nightmare. Like the, the managers and the bosses were really like horrible and bullies. And they ended up actually like for me, you know, my mum for years of my life, like most of my life worked in disability support services at higher education. So I knew what I didn't have to do or could do and things like that. So, you know, like in the UK, you've got a right to not have to disclose your disability or illnesses to your employers and stuff like that. But I wanted to because I wanted to, I didn't know what to do. And I thought, well, if anything happens, it's better that they know. And then that Mm -hmm. way, if I need an emergency appointment or anything else, they'll hopefully be a bit more understanding. And it turned out they actually started to use that against me at the end of the time that I was working there. And I ended up getting signed off with stress because I was just so like ground down from it. It was honestly a nightmare. And, you know, I wouldn't recommend that at all. But one of the things that kind of for me sort of made me realise is that I didn't know if anyone else would understand or get it. And obviously at that company, nobody else had chronic conditions. And so... There were some people there who weren't necessarily managerial roles who were fantastic and so helpful to me and went out of their way to like help me out. But then there were others where it kind of, you know, me needing to get up every hour, for example, just to like stretch my legs, which I think anybody should be able to do. Mm -hmm. They were kind of like complaining at, you know, random things like that. And so, yeah, I, I left there when I was just turned 22. So just like a couple of years into kind of having this initial illness and then since then late last year I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia which affects like the nerves in my body and different things like that so along for a long time as well I'd thought that the pain I was having in a particular way was due to the hypermobility stuff and it turns out it was actually to do with like the fibromyalgia and then on top of that I mean I've got an appointment tomorrow when we're recording this you know by the time this comes out it'll have it'll have passed but I've got appointments tomorrow for other conditions I'm being checked for so I guess the one thing I would say about having a chronic illness and keeping in mind like if you're on the other side of the fence and you don't have any is that it's exhausting just managing the conditions Mm. sometimes not even managing the symptoms but actually managing having an illness like I've got this appointment tomorrow to look into this other diagnosis but it's taken me like six months of work 
pretty much work to actually get to that point and having to like advocate for yourself like over yeah. and over again and yeah it, it can be exhausting so there's often a lot more going on kind of behind the scenes not just necessarily mm. dealing with the symptoms which obviously is another major part so yeah and I think that's where you know conversations like this where you're so generously sharing your experience are so valuable to people like me because it's not an experience that I can even begin to empathize with like and this is gonna I mean health privilege is about to show up massively in what I'm about to say maybe I'll have a a headache for a day or I'll have a sore foot for a few days or I've got repetitive strain injury right now in my arm that's gonna go away in a couple of days and you realize even that I don't know even when I have like a runny nose for a week or an ulcer, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is debilitating. <laughs> this is irritating me all the time. I can't sleep, I can't think. And then every time I then go, but so many people experience pain on a whole nother level to this that's often less treatable, doesn't always have a label to it, is unpredictable constantly in day-to-day life. And I know it's not a choice, so maybe you know, praising you for for dealing with it. Maybe that doesn't feel right. But from someone who doesn't experience that, I can't empathize, but I just have endless like respect for how how well you seemingly, and obviously we'll dive into a little bit more about what it actually looks like on the inside, how you live with that. So obviously you started your business already aware that you were chronically ill. And I guess understanding from that corporate job, what the requirements were for you from a job and how your kind of job and your chronic health needed to sit with each other. Was it a big part of your decision? I say that as a leading question, probably assuming that it did after an experience like that in starting your business. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because as far as I knew, like I'd worked for three companies and although like the finance one initially like I always you know that question where you you kind of think and you wonder like how different would my life look if I took a different direction Mm. and you know like I always wonder like what would have what would my life be like now if I'd worked there because like the people there were incredible and were literally the best people I've ever worked with in in a job but just the company for example I just couldn't I couldn't stay it was kind of around the time where it was like PPI was a big thing and they were just like being told to push people into buying it when they didn't need to and all that sort of stuff and like a lot of the work I do now is like really rooted in values and purpose and for me like looking back again hindsight I realize now that that was the first decision I'd ever really made in my life work-wise that was kind of based on the based on the values of what I had and how that didn't sit right with me and so yeah when it came to working for myself I I knew a lot of people like one thing I've always done is focused on people and relationships over actually like over trying to get work for example so like if I'm trying to get more work in I don't really care about that I care about the people that I work with and so I've always focused on relationships and nurturing those and really kind of building networks but in a really like sustainable this is me like I'm always going to be friendly like once I'm in your back pocket that's it you're probably never (laughs) going to get rid of me as you well know Alice like it's just one of those things that I'm I'm like like I've always been like that and so when I started my business I knew a lot of people up here in Manchester for example at like different agencies that I could possibly join and all of that sort of stuff But I think because my confidence had been ground down so much, I had like zero confidence in myself. And so I didn't think that I was going to be good enough to like work with these other companies. So and I just didn't know as well if it was going to be like the, you know, when you when you're working somewhere and you sort of think the grass is greener and then you get to know a company and you're like, actually, (laughs) what they present to the world isn't what they're actually like. And that's kind of what happened for me. And so I would say that it was the biggest thing that made me realize like, well, actually as well, like my health, like people aren't going to get it. You know, that was the only experience I had of like workplace life and having this chronic illness. And I was like, well, they don't get it. So no one will. And so I just started my own business. Literally, I would not, I would not recommend doing it how I did it, but I had no savings because I hadn't been planning to do it. It was literally something, an incident kind of happened one day with the CEO and when I told like my mum she was like you do realize you don't have to go back there after this sort of you don't need to be treated this way and I was like oh okay and 10 o'clock that night 
wrote my notice sent it in never went back apart from to pick my stuff up so it's like literally at that point i started my business and um oh, it's been so tough over the years though like you'd think that i had a good idea of like what i needed so there's things i've never done like i've had late nights where i've worked maybe till nine or ten if there's like a big deadline but like for me physically like i i personally particularly at this point in my life don't really know what it's like to live without pain like that's mm. just what i have and so i know that i cannot do all-nighters i can't even stay out late some days like and i have had to do a lot of work to sort of realize it's okay to cancel plans last minute or not be able to do something because physically i'm just like not in a good enough place but getting to that point like i've landed myself in hospital through burning out and not working like unworking too much and not paying attention to like the internal voice telling me that i'm doing a bit too much and and trying to push myself more than i actually can because i think that like comparison to other people i don't know if anyone else listening to this with a chronic illness or disability will relate and i suspect they will because i've had conversations with people about it but the comparison that i often fall into is that i'm not enough and so when that plays into kind of my chronic conditions and like getting work done i often feel like i'm not doing enough and it's really funny because a lot of people have said to me over the years like how do you get so much done and i'm like oh i just do it like i just try and get it done but at the same time like i often feel like it's really hard because i feel like things are taking way too long like i don't want them to have to take three months to do when i know that if i was healthy mm or in a healthier place, I guess, then I could get it done in a month. Yeah. And then that's been like the hardest battle to have to fight, like within myself and within my brain and my mind, because it's been so hard to kind of mentally be so ready to like go, 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 and then get going and then have to pause and get going and have to pause constantly. And it's just, it's mentally exhausting. Like I had to really battle this earlier this year because there was so much I wanted to do. There was like all these different projects and ideas I had. And then I was like, I've got to dial it back a bit because, you know, and in, in the end working with you, that really helped because I did dial it back. But you've seen the inside of like what I wanted to do. And it was just so vast. And it was like, in the end, I couldn't figure out a way of how to do that because it just wouldn't have worked for what I needed it to. Mm. And it's almost like there's two parts of you because there's the part of you that's like, yeah, let's go, let's do it. We want to push, we want to get there. And then there's the the chronically ill part of you that I don't want to say holds you back, but, you know, creates some, some challenges in how you're going to get there. And I can imagine there's frustration in that. And there must be as well, or I'd be interested to hear if you've experienced this, you know, how do you find it that looking at other people's journeys because it's frustrating enough when we feel like you know we want to get there quicker we know we could be doing it at a you know quicker better rate whatever it might be that can't be made easier by then seeing other people and often people who maybe aren't chronically or aren't disabled you know able-bodied people where we can work the all-nighters we can get as close to burnout as possible and then kind of walk our way back from that how have you found that over the years? Have you kind of learned how to see that and go, you know what? No, that's just not what's right for me and kind of put the blinkers on. What's that look like? I think for me, the hardest thing has has been that. It's been seeing like having ideas, for example, and it being quite a unique idea, you think, and then seeing other people launch similar things before you've been able to finish it. Like that's been really hard. But I think like what you said there really kind of hit home with me when when you said like you can work up to burnout and then dial it back and you'll be okay. Like every time I've burnt out, so I've burnt out three times in eight and a half years. The first two were within the first like five years. And then the last like third one was last year with with pandemic. I basically <laughs> decided to kind of cope with it by overworking and literally burnt myself out within a couple of months of doing that and just had mm. to sort of put the brakes on everything. When I get to the point where I actually hear the voice in my head that says, Rachel, you should probably step back a bit now, like you're doing a bit too much. At that point for me, it's too late. And I've had to figure out through a lot of hard work, like what those triggers are for me. 
because every time I've had that thought like oh Rach you really need to like hold yourself back like you're you're doing too much slow down a week or two later I've burnt out and the first two times I burnt out I landed myself in hospital the first time they thought I was having a heart attack and I was 25 and it was actually just like overwork induced asthma issues but they thought I was having like major issues with my heart I got admitted overnight I, it was like horrendous and then the second time I got taken in via ambulance because I I'd been overworking again I'd completely switched things around at this point so I loved the work I was doing compared to what I'd been doing before and there's been times when I've had to like work from bed for literally months on end because I've been that bad but I think over the years like you know the second time that I got taken in by ambulance to the hospital I loved the work I was doing but I was still doing too much and so I thought well why have I burnt out this time and again for me I had to realize that doing too much is a trigger for me and my body and it just can't cope with it yeah and so you know I had norovirus that time I was just like severely dehydrated once they gave me a drip like IV I was fine <laughs> you know but then the the problem for me as well is like once I've burnt out it takes me so much longer to get back to what I would call my prime or mm -hmm. or my best like when I burnt out last year I was hoping to launch Beyond Ink on like my 30th birthday on, on the 7th of June and it ended up being like the worst birthday ever because I was burnt out I'd burnt out a couple of weeks before trying to get everything finished but then I had to push the launch of that back and it ended up being like five months later and it was because like it took me like two or three months to get back to the point where I felt like, oh, okay, actually I can add more to my plate again now. So I had to just do like the bare minimum. And, you know, I've lost friends over it. I've lost, you know, business friends, personal friends, people that just don't really understand. And that's mm. been really hard because then you sort of blame yourself and you think, well, I wasn't there for them when they needed it. But then it's also really hard to kind of be there for yourself. And I think, like you said, it's really hard to empathise when you've not had to go through it yourself because Absolutely. you just can't understand it. And it's relative. I always say it's relative. Like, just because I'm saying I don't really know what it's like to live without pain doesn't mean that, like, the things that happen to someone else, whether that's you, like, with your runny nose and, and ulcer or <laughs> things, like that's still bad to you and don't feel guilty for that like like you said I think you can be grateful that it's not worse or that you've not got more pain and obviously I can only speak from my experience but it's kind of like I always say it's relative that my really bad days have been you know probably someone else's version of a nightmare kind of thing they can't even imagine it but for me it's kind of I try now to use it as like motivation to kind of allow myself to feel however I'm feeling about it because there's a sense of grief I think that can come with the whole comparison thing and not being able to do what you want to do but then also kind of reminding myself that I've got through it so far like for me personally I'm like eight and a half ish years in now and I've managed to make it work for me a lot better and I think now I've stopped using work as like a little coping mechanism like I did last year I think it's been really useful to kind of think about how I work best and I think that's one thing is that what works well for me that's why I'm not giving like specific tips because what works yeah. well for me and what triggers for me might not you know impact someone else but it's just about finding what works for you and what actually will have the biggest impact on you so for me like I know if I have a call don't put much like creative work after because my mental energy being a really like intro loud introvert anyone listening to this will not think i'm an introvert but that's because i know you very well and it's very easy to chat but i'm very introverted so like for me getting on a call is exhausting and physically having to be present whereas like if i'm just designing something or coding or whatever I can just like be in my own little plant cave, <laughs> my own little nerd cave, I call it, and just like do my thing. And it doesn't drain me in the same way. So it's about figuring out, like for me, like theming my days, blocking, like time blocking with my days has been really helpful to sort of figure out what works for me and then put those into those time blocks and actually schedule time to rest because I've been so bad at doing that. But it's been like a game changer mm. so no I love that and you're so right what is going to work for you might not work for someone else and it's that process of knowing what does it look like for your business to work for you and then how can you 
put the stuff in place that's going to make that happen. And from what you said a little bit earlier on, it, it sounds to me, and I guess coming from the perspective of sometimes coaching people in your position, I say it, the first thing is making sure that your actual business model is built in a way that is going to support you and your physical or mental health in whatever way that looks like. You know, a business where you're really rigidly trading time for money or you have to be doing a certain set of things every single day and there's maybe not much flexibility or scalability to it like that's maybe not a business model that is best suited to someone who has got to almost you know expect the unexpected and not overcommit yeah in terms of time and in terms of energy and that, but I guess that that's not just it because as you said the second time you burnt out you had the right business model you had the right foundations but any business can be run in an unsustainable way oh, 100%, you know, businesses yeah. are beasts they will take the energy and the time that you give them and yeah. i don't mean that in a negative way i think that's just honest you know our businesses will take what we give them because they are just these like snowballing yeah. things that will just take and take and take and take and i guess it's the implementation of that business model done in a very conscious and self-aware way where i'd imagine correct me if this is wrong you're kind of constantly taking a step back and going okay how do i feel yeah. You know, today, how do I feel today? Okay, what are my markers of, you know, I know it not because I have chronic health, but because I burn out, eas not easily, but I just get myself to burn out easily, I should say it that way. Like, you know, what are your warning signs? What are the weird little, you know, we all know our bodies, don't we? What's the kind of signal that tells you that you're maybe going a little bit too hard or a little bit too fast? And I, I wonder if for you is that, I mean, that must be a kind of constant check-in, right? Of going right step oh, yeah. back, how are we feeling? What do we need to do now? It's not a, you know, you don't just tick the box <laughs> of like, yep, I'm good. I never oh, need to no, worry about this. No. It's it's a constantly evolving process is what I call it. So I have like the two sides to it. So I'm constantly trying to tell myself when I'm doing too much. And I, I now recognize what those signs are. Even in the past year, I've been able to build on what those signs are. And so for me as well, like the other side of it is that I now don't take on as many projects. So I'm a brand designer and web designer. And what I used to do was work big project to big project. But what I found with my health sort of, I would say like my health journey was sort of at its worst in the first couple of years. Then it got better for a couple of years, you know, with burnout in the middle. And then the last like year or two, it's kind of been snowballing again and getting worse. And so I've had to sort of think, right well if your projects are really draining you then maybe you need to take on less of those so one of the things i've done for example is that i work with one client that makes up the majority of my income which is a risk but also what i've managed to do is it's taken me eight years to kind of get to that point but i found a client who is incredibly respectful of the fact that i've got chronic illnesses you know, they actually actively try not to put too much on my plate at once because they are aware of the fact that they don't want me burning out. And we've had to have honest conversations at times. Like last summer when I was really bad, I had to just say to them, like the way that we're organizing stuff just isn't working for me at the minute. Like we need to do something better. And I'm really lucky and have worked really hard to get to that point. But I know there's a lot of privilege in being able to sort of have most of my income come from one particular client and then top it up with other clients. Like I have other clients that I work with throughout the month as well. But like she is the one that I do the main sort of chunk of work for. And so that isn't something that like two or three years ago I would have even considered or even wanted to do or even needed to do, to be honest. But because my health got worse, I knew that managing multiple clients, you know, all of the clients I work with now, I either know very, very well personally because I've focused on friendships and relationships and I'm constantly DMing everyone in Instagram and always thinking I'm doing it too much. And then I kind of already know them or their previous clients that I'm now doing ongoing work for. And so that for me is a lot less like having to expend a huge amount of energy trying to find new clients i still get the odd new client i've had client inquiries coming in from people i've known from years ago or you know just this past week i've had people getting in touch that i've been in other communities with or that i've known or you know i get referrals and things like that so i think that's all kind of much more sustainable for me compared to having to like really expend so much energy like putting myself out there constantly 
And I think like with Beyond Ink, it feels a lot better as well, because maybe there's another part of the business model I can explore and see if there's a way to make, I say this with quotes, like passive income, because we all know it's not passive. But to be able to kind of do one to many, for example, instead of doing like the one to one stuff, might be a way that I can explore making money without it being kind of impactful on my health in the same way. But even then, like I know from conversations that we've had, like, I've had to find ways of doing that that are sustainable for me as well. And it's kind of, it might be different from the norm, but I think as well, there's sort of a little magic in that as well, in that we can do things a little bit differently and it might need a bit of education or it might need kind of a little bit more exploration and explaining to people what things are. But I think as well, it can also be really fun and a little bit different and add kind of a new experience for people as well. Mm, And that's the beauty of running a business, right? You decide what do you want it to look like? How do you want it to work for you? And I just love, you know, you are a, a living example that you can build a business that works for you and you can have chronic illnesses, undiagnosed or diagnosed, getting better or getting worse and have a business that can be flexible and reactive to that. Now, I know it's not all sunshine and roses. There's real challenges in that. I can particularly imagine it, you know, it's not, a like you said, it's constantly evolving. It fluctuates, it gets worse, it gets better. You get a diagnosis, you lose a diagnosis like that. I can imagine is not an easy process to be going through, but I love that you found what it looks like for that to work for you. And you touched on in there, like the magic of it. And that's something I'm really interested by because I'm a big believer that, you know, in business and in life, often the the challenges that we face can kind of turn into our superpowers. And actually there can be these, I don't know what the right language is, but maybe unexpected benefits or kind of blessings in disguise that can come from situations like this. You know, now you've been doing it for eight and a half years. Can you reflect back and see what that's looked like for your chronic health? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're definitely challenges, but I'm annoyingly one of those people that likes to always try and find the positive. And I think that's honestly, like I've never said this really publicly before, but I think that's coming from a place of, it can be really flipping hard. Like it can be so hard. Like I've had, I've taken pictures of like when I've been in tears from like the pain and like you literally want to scream, but you can't. And it's just like, it's so hard and I think you know and that's just from my perspective with my illnesses as well I can't even imagine what other illnesses are like you know people that I know for example with endometriosis at the moment and you know the pure hell that they're going through and that's completely different from what I go through and it's just I think what's been really interesting is to kind of see what I have been able to do despite all of that and a lot of the time I think what I've been able to do because of it because I I'm kind of like you in that I truly believe like I wouldn't be this kind of person or this kind of business owner without going through what I've been through and that all adds up into being like a part of my story and it's shaped my values it's shaped my purpose like my mission like the vision I have for my work what I want to do like what I root myself in what I ground my work in and all of that and it all comes from this place of having had this experience And it's like, it really is so flipping hard at times to actually kind of keep going. And there's some days, like, even just that client I spoke about, for example, recently we've switched from, like, I do a certain amount of hours for her a week, one-to-one, and doing work for for clients and stuff. What I realised for me is that when I'm doing that in an afternoon, it's so much harder for me. But if I do that in a morning then I can get it done. And then even if I'm having like a tough day, I know I've only got a few small hours to get through and then I can just relax for the day. And it's just those little things, I think, that make such a difference. But for me, what I've tried to do is like, it's been really hard. Like there's been times where I've just, you know, I've I've spoken on stage, for example, at like conferences, web conferences and things like from the web industry, which is kind of where my focus was with my business for a few years. But then, like, I got back to my hotel room and I was just like, oh my God, this is so hard. Because I was just in agony and it was so much energy that my body's not used to sort of using. And I think it's just been really interesting to sort of think back and think, wow, like, I've done so much. You know, I've, I've done so much. I've done, like, conference talks, podcast interviews like this, interviews. 
I've written a book, like there's so much I've been able to do. But I think the perspective I have is that that probably wouldn't have happened if I didn't have these illnesses. Like it could be me as a person, like it could be a personality trait or it could be because of my illnesses and like the experiences I had like with my old jobs and stuff. But if someone tells me I can't do something, including myself, like I will then fight tooth and nail to prove myself and show you, yes, I blooming can. Thank you very much. And so I don't know if that's kind of, I think when you have a chronic illness as well, I, from my experience, I'm doubted so much, it feels like from other people. So I have lost clients who didn't want to work with someone who had a chronic illness. And that was one of my big fears at first. So I think like the first bout of burnout that I had, I had because I was hiding everything and it just took so much energy from like not mentioning that I've got a chronic illness and stuff online. It was like living a double life. And I think it was just a sort of eye-opening experience for me sort of realizing actually like this is stuff that needs to be talked about and I use it to propel me in a way like and motivate me because it's so hard and some days you're just like I really don't know how to pick myself up and carry on with it but then something happens or you know a client says something nice and it's kind of like oh it's worth it and it, it's kind of worth keeping going despite how hard it is I do not think I could get a job anywhere else now. Like, I think I'm practically unemployable. I've become too used to having my own, like, habits of the way that I do things. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't change it because however hard it is, it supports my health now at the end of the day, I think, having my own business, which even a year ago I couldn't have said that. But now I'm really, like, intentional about making those choices and saying no a lot of the time but making those choices that actually support my health first rather than grow the business, if that makes sense. Mm. So, And it, it sounds, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but even from what you're saying, like now your, your business or your work life and your health, they kind of live in harmony rather than trying to butt heads. You know, I guess kind of sounds like that's what it was like when you were in a more employed setting as so it was like, right, you know, how do, you know, there's like a frustration and an anger at the health. It's like, right, how do we minimize its impact? How do we get it to not be there? Whereas it sounds, again, tell me if any of these assumptions are wrong. Like now it's like, no, no, okay, this is part of me. This is something that is here. I'm, you know, I guess some people just want to leave it at that. Some people then want to celebrate that and think it's something, you know, believe that it's one of the things that makes them great, which it absolutely is. Or, and imagine that looks different for everyone. But now you're actually looking at, okay, this is a thing. How do we build a business around that? And not, and I guess there's, you know, there's so much within that of almost the, the acceptance of like, this is here to stay. I can imagine that's a whole emotional process as well. But what that has left you with eight and a half years on is a business where it, just from the way you're speaking about it, it sounds like the two are in harmony as much as they can be when you've got an yeah I was gonna say yeah like it's so unpredictable that like for me as well I don't know what's going to be a good day and a bad day in advance it's mm. so hard like I I'm on prescribed painkillers for example for different levels of pain that I'm in and if I have a really bad day like I did at the weekend and I have to take them multiple times in the day I know that for like the next two days I'm going to be exhausted because I've had them more and they tire me out and it like affects my body so I can kind of predict a little bit from that but generally day to day I'm not going to know what's going to be good and bad and I can be having a really good day and then my hip tweaks or my knee goes or something happens and I'm just kind of like crap <laughs> you know that's the day gone but I think it's it's really key when you said about acceptance there because I think even up till this year even it's probably in the last couple of months I didn't accept that I had and I do not like to use this word but what I would call like limitations and it's not that I'm putting limitations on myself or what I can achieve and that's what I had to learn the difference between I felt that accepting that I couldn't do everything at the rate that I want to do it meant that I was putting limitations on myself and that I wasn't going to ever do anything worth doing. And what I kind of realised is that accepting that this is just going to be a huge part of my life and it will affect everything I'm doing has been like that mind-blown emoji, like literally mind-blowing for me, honestly, because I've started now looking at projects for example if there's a project I want to bring to life instead of 
putting dates down and thinking right I can get this done here here and here I'll bang it out you know what I'm like when I get motivated I will rock it I will do it and then falling like on week two <laughs> and then having to push all the dates back is like such a for me like demotivating thing and I beat myself up for it and I just don't end up in a good place and then I don't make any progress whereas if I now like build in time and so I might get it done quicker and if I do fantastic it's amazing how much more I'm actually getting done now that I've not got that mental pressure of like I've got to get it done this quickly I've got to do it this way and that's just like one change that I've made but it's had the biggest impact and I've been getting more done in a way that's like not burning me out that's sustainable for me that's still allowing me to serve my clients really well but also work on like projects that bring me life and bring me joy and and even have weekends off still and go out in the garden and sit on my very nice table and bench that we know that I love so it's like you know these things that I'm doing it's just all come about because I've accepted that there are limits real limits on what I can do physically and they might not match up with what I want to do mentally and where I'm at and there have been like mentally very hard days but when I'm in the mood to go and I can't it's that level of acceptance and realizing mm. that there are different ways of doing things I guess that will still support your health but that don't hold you back because I've been able to do a lot in eight and a bit years like I've been able to do a lot and I sometimes kind of think how <laughs> like how would you do that now I don't, I don't understand but yeah it's just kind of one of those things that you are constantly going to be figuring out and tweaking as you go and finding better ways of doing it but I think that first step is accepting that there is going to be something that mm. needs to change to support yeah. that and then you're able to build a business that works with your health not against it I love that. So I'm interested, a kind of note that I want to touch on as we finish the podcast would be, I guess, for those of us who don't experience chronic health conditions, but do want to, I'm going to hope, show up online and support our clients and students, you know, whatever we might do in a way that is considerate and conscious of those who are in a position like yours. You know, you know me, I share a lot of messages around like take action, exercise, self-discipline, like what, are, you know, I'm not like Mr. Motivator, but I like to give people nudges of, you know, the reason I share that is because a lot of people maybe get in a routine of self-sabotage or we're kind of not taking action because of fear. What I then worry is, okay, but what, what does that message do when it falls in the ears of someone who's got a chronic health condition? And they, you know, that blanket advice of like, take action, go for it, do it, maybe isn't applicable to them or isn't helpful to them because of where they're at with their health. And I would never want my content or my message to leave anyone feeling guilty or shamed or like, you know, you can't keep up with other people. I guess my first question, you can maybe answer the two in one would be, is this something you've experienced when you navigate kind of the online space and the content that you consume. Now you've already touched on the fact that you kind of have to take business advice, not with a pinch of salt, but you have to be very thoughtful about how you apply it to your business. I have to filter it for sure. Because yeah, <laughs> it can't always be that like blanket approach. And then I guess for those who are listening, who like me, share content for other business owners and want to be considerate of this, how can we be conscious of how what we share is going to I guess, not resonate with and possibly have a negative effect on those who might experience chronic illnesses? Yeah, so I have a really, it feels really funny to sort of share this example, but one of the things or one of the most powerful things I think you can do is include us and just that can be done in really simple ways. So like the funny example that I've got is just funny to me because we're in the UK, but when Joe Biden was inaugurated, there was a moment where I actually just burst into tears and I'm not deaf or hard of hearing, but I struggle a lot with fatigue, for example. And so a lot of the time I will navigate Instagram, for example, looking at captions rather than listening and reading because that's easier for me to focus on. I'm a very quick reader, so I'm quite good at that. You know, I watch TV shows with the subtitles on because when I'm tired at night, I struggle a lot more to process what I'm seeing. So if there's a couple of words I miss, I can glance down and check them. But to see on the inauguration the fact that they had somebody doing sign language for all of the main spoken pieces, for example, was just so inclusive. And then one little thing, and this was the bit where I like burst into tears, 
they said like please stand for the national anthem for example and then they added at the end like three words and they said if you can or if you are able and that's so powerful because you know even like stepping away from business during the pandemic there have been some really great things that have happened for the disabled community that we've been asking for for years yeah. like online meetings and you know phone doctor's appointments instead of having to go to the gp surgery and different things like that but there's also been like some difficult things with it like for me one of my really bad triggers is walking but also standing like standing in one space is really hard for me um so like networking at events and things like that you know i was so grateful to someone that you will be very familiar with fee from she can she did she had a christmas event i think that's where i met you for the first time as well in person and she had that i think it was at the end of 2019 before everything kicked off last year in 2020 and i was a bit worried because i was really struggling with standing at that point and so i messaged her on the day of the event deciding whether to get a last minute ticket or not just saying to her like i was wondering if once the event is over will chairs be left out or will there be anywhere to sit because i have this condition and i might need to sit down once i've chatted to a few people for a few minutes and all of that and Fee went above and beyond to get back to me and make sure that there would definitely be chairs there and all of this and that. And I think making sure that you include people just with simple words like if you are able and then you can explain that further if you want to and explain that you are speaking directly to the chronic illness community or the disabled community in making sure that they know that that message might be hard to hear or different things like that. But even just making sure that people know that they can ask you questions if they have them without worrying about it. Because believe me, like there's so many different, so many different conditions and disabilities that people can have that it's going to be so hard to cater everything to speak to everyone because everyone's experiences and challenges are different. But if you can do just small little things like that, you know, like Fee's really open and friendly and encouraging and always says if you've got questions, let her know and things like that. Mm. So I felt very comfortable at that point kind of asking the question. And she was great, like with her response. And I think it's just little things like making sure you caption your Instagram stories, because it's not necessarily for the deaf or hard of hearing community that you're helping. It could be helping other people. You know, things like when you've got courses, you know, one of the things I really struggle with is showing up live to course, like to courses or, or live programs, because I really struggle to process what I'm saying. And I need to take a lot of notes because I will forget it if it's not in a note. Um, and then I can read it through and absorb it again. So like live ones, I really struggle with, for example, because I need to take notes. And so I, I often go back and forth watching videos and it might take me like two or three times the length of the video to go back through and make all the notes. So even things like having captions available after the fact or different things like that, that people can then go through and read instead of like seeing the video or, you know, there's so many things you can do, but I think just doing what you can and then just sort of including people where you can letting them know that you see them even in that small way of like if you are able i literally burst into tears <laughs> seeing that on the inauguration because it you know for me i was like it makes you feel seen and it makes you feel included and i think risky things to possibly say it's something that is kind of difficult but when conversations often come up about inclusion and diversity disability is often left off the list you know quite often when you know and it doesn't go unnoticed like there's so many people in the disability community i know that have said this sort of behind the scenes and been like yet again disability hasn't been mentioned in the list and i think in the uk we're possibly a lot better at that because we have like the equality act and different things that we can refer to but yeah, just not to forget about this community because it's an incredibly big community. And it's, you know, one thing we haven't really touched on as well is that chronic illnesses can also be temporary. There can be people that are temporarily disabled. You know, if you break an arm and you can't use that arm, you're temporarily disabled. You can't use that in a way that affects your daily life. And so, yeah, I think it's just the fact that it can sort of happen to anyone at any time temporarily or unfortunately for longer. And so, yeah, if you can do anything you can to include people, I think that's always a good thing.
Mm, no, I really appreciate all that you shared in that and some really good practical examples, which I think we, you know, we can all work to build more inclusive and diverse businesses. And you're so right. In- inclusion is about all people and those in the disabled and chronically ill community absolutely come under that umbrella. And as I mean, I can say as a result of having, you know, you in my business, my business is so much better as a result. I'm so much more joyful as a coach and as an educator. So I mean, I can attest to the fact that including those people is never going to be something that you regret. Um, Not that it would be. That sounds bad out of context, but you know what I mean. (laughs) I'm interested as well, just one more question on that point. With like the, the, say, content. So maybe we're not thinking here about like, you know, your how your business actually runs, but actually thinking about the content that you share. You said that you kind of take everything in, almost has to go through a filter of like, right, how does that apply to me? Is there anything we can do when we're sharing, you know, whether it's advice, whether it's motivation, encouragement, you know, how do we do that in a way that helps you to apply it to your situation? Because the last thing I want to do is create more work for a community (laughs) who already goes through so much. But I appreciate, you know, one Instagram caption, I can't write 25 different versions for 25 different circumstances. But I don't want to use that as a reason not to be considerate of that. So from your perspective, how do we do that in when like almost social media encourages us to put out these very binary blanket messages? I think even just like a small disclaimer or something like you can put a little star at the end and just something this, you know, I'm not a wordy person. I'm a designer. (laughs) This is completely off the cuff. Um, But something like, you know, whatever your circumstances or if there's something that makes this harder than it does for an able-bodied person or for however you wanted to sort of distinguish that, you know, you could say something along those lines of, you know, however this hits home for you, it might be that someone isn't chronically ill and they still feel an intense amount of pressure from that sort of thing. You don't know, like you could just say like, however this lands for you, know that this is meant in a loving, encouraging way for you to do X, Y, Z rather than, a blanket approach that's needed you know or however you want to kind of put it but it's a difficult one for sure but I think if you can just sort of because for me I I mean I think a lot of it comes with experience as well like you know you and me we've been in business for quite a long time and we've become a lot more discerning of what we take in and who we listen to and there's definitely been people I've listened to who have like I've had the worst years in business after taking their advice and things like that like it's been horrendous But then that sort of has taught me about who and what I want to listen to and how I want to do it. Mm -hmm. So I think as long as you can kind of find that approach where you're not like one of the things I always say in Beyond Ink is that if you find me telling you that you should do something, tell me, call me out for it, because I don't ever want to tell you how to do something or how you should be doing something. Mm -hmm. I'm all about you finding that little voice inside internally listening to your intuition like rooting yourself in your values and your vision and letting that guide you not me telling you the six steps to six figures bs that we constantly hit i'm really trying not to swear the northern are in me is coming out um towards the end of this but yeah i think like anything you can do to kind of just show these people whoever they are whatever they're struggling with that you're listening and that this might not be for them because I know in my early days or when I was in more my, my more vulnerable days, like when I was burnt out and things, you sort of are looking for that answer and it isn't always going to be there in an Instagram post. And so I think mm-hmm. if you can just like let people know, like this might not be for you at this stage in your life or your business and that's fine. Like don't feel the pressure to take this on as gospel kind of thing. Yeah. I think that's yeah, I guess helpful. Yeah, and it's not necessarily always what you say but it's how you say it and it's saying it in a way that accepts the nuance of how it needs to be applied to different people and not sharing things that are like shoulds or you have to do this or this is the only way and I think just being yeah aware of how different people might need to consume or sometimes not consume that piece of content exactly yeah depending on where it's like they're giving at. people permission isn't it to to think what they need to think and take what they need to take like I've always loved it when people say you know this might not be for you take what you need and leave the rest like that for me is like okay so I don't because I I get very naive and I'm like oh they've said this so that must be what it is and then I have to like filter it again and be like no like 
you've been doing this a long time, you know your stuff, like there's there's a level of knowledge here that you can take on. And then when people say that, it almost reminds me that I've got control of what I want to think and what I want to take on and who I want to learn from. And so I can then be like, oh, well, that bit doesn't really resonate for me, but this really does. And I find that really helpful. So I can take that. So mm -hmm. I think, yeah, it's just kind of showing that. And I think <laughs> I'm going to be really smart here, starting the conversation about, <laughs> about what works and what doesn't work for people and just giving them the permission to really take on what they need to and just yeah jack off the rest yeah I love that phrase and I feel like it also kind of just covers you when you feel like you're chatting crap sometimes so just, be like, <laughs> so just you take from this what feels right for you it's not exactly, all yeah. of the shit that I just spoke <laughs> take, take like the one good bit of advice that I just shared yeah there's a gem that. in there somewhere <laughs> just go and find it no I love that to round us off I'd, I'd love to know for those who are listening to this episode who do experience chronic health conditions or kind of have a chronic illness, what encouragements or what encouragement would you want to leave them with? Or I guess if you were to go back and speak to the you that was starting and growing a business with your chronic illness in tow, yeah, what would you what would you share with her? I think for me, it just comes back to that reminder that this doesn't have to stop you. This doesn't have to like hold you back. You might take a little bit longer <laughs> you might end up doing things that other people do and you know you have that frustration or whatever but it doesn't have to be you know just because you've got this chronic illness whether it's mental physical temporary or not like it doesn't have to hold you back and stop you from doing the things that you really want to do like I feel like I'm eight and a half years in and when you look at some businesses that are eight and a half years in you're like oh my word but I know I'm on my own path and my own journey and I'm you know rooting myself in what matters and that's all I can ask for at the end of the day I've got a business that's supporting me that's supporting my health and so yeah I would just say like take the pressure off like you're gonna do what you want to do it might just take a bit longer but you'll get there yeah that's an amazing note to end on I love that. Thank you so much for sharing, Rachel. I know so many people, whichever kind of camp they're in, will have found encouragement and inspiration and insight and all of the good things in what you've had to share. So I just really appreciate you because oh, thank you so I said this much. to you privately. This is a conversation that I've wanted to have for such a long time. And, you know, having the absolute privilege of supporting you in your business and seeing this lived out, you know, you you know, I see it in calls where we talk about something and then we have to do that filtering process and apply it. And I think you are a, you're a pro at making your business work for you. And I just hope that, I mean, I know you're, you're proof to others that it can be done and that it is possible. And I love that the business space allows you to do that. I mean, running a business is just so cool. Thank you so much for having me and for actually having the conversation because I know that's something that isn't always thought of and I just really appreciate like how thoughtfully you've done this and approached it as well so thank you it's been a pleasure Rach anytime that we get to chat it's always <laughs> a joy um I will leave all of your links below I'm sure lots of people want to come and say hi and you know let you know their experiences and thoughts and thanks for your your genius that you shared so yeah thanks so much for joining me I'm still not over the fact that you don't have gravy with a roast dinner but I think I we can agree pudding, to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Our differences are what make us us, you know? What a beautiful way to conclude this conversation. Looping it right back around like a pro, Alice. <laughs> <laughs>